Hello, everybody. I'm Carly Webb. This is the Transporter Room, the convergence of sports, transness, sci-fi, pop culture, nerd geek culture, the gaming scene, and other stuff, including the upcoming Summer Olympic Games in Tokyo. And that's where our feature of the show will lie. We're going to dig in the crates for two of our best interviews, excerpts from my one-on-one -on -one last fall with Team USA BMX standout Chelsea Wolf, who's heading to the Olympics, and our TSR interview last fall with Canada Soccer and NWSL standout Quim. Both of them will be heading to Tokyo, and we're going to hear about their hopes and their dreams in their own words. But first, news of the week and of the moment, and what a moment it is, because the category is history. Pose star MJ Rodriguez broke new ground as it was announced Tuesday. Emmy nominations came out, and she became the first transgender performer to be nominated for a lead acting role in a primetime series for her brilliant work as the daring, innovative mother Blanca Evangelista in the groundbreaking television series Pose. MJ, I'm fangirling right now because I'm a huge fan of MJ Rodriguez, and you have a standing invitation anytime you want to be beamed up to the transporter room. My people are definitely going to contact your people because, needless to say, that's a sit down I would love to have. So, congratulations, MJ. And no, after you get your Emmy, we're beaming you up. We're going we're gonna to make this happen. In some less exciting news, a lot of eyes have been on Texas the last few days because Texas's legislature called a special session. Governor Greg Abbott called some people back in to get certain things passed, mainly a bill that would tighten up voter requirements, which is really a response to, the, to something Republicans really don't like, that in the last election, according to them, too many of those black and brown people voted. Now, the Texas Democrats decided they aren't going to take this lighting lying down. Since you want to try to force voter suppression, we're going to deny you a quorum. And there was a mass exodus on Monday from the opposition as minority legislators left the state, most of them heading for Washington, D.C. to lobby the federal government to step in and get some federal action on voting rights. Now, another bill which is affected, which was deemed nearly as important in the eyes of the governor of Texas, is Senate Bill 2 and Senate Bill 23. There are two different bills that have about the same purpose, which is to basically tell transgender students who want to be student athletes, you can't play, whether it's K through 12 or in the public colleges and universities. But what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to take a few minutes so that you can hear what went down in the hearing in Texas for yourself. Now, I'm going to give you the trigger warning right up front. Some of the voices you hear are going to definitely be transphobic. It's going to feature their typical brand of misgendering, anti-trans hysteria, total disregard for the facts, and proof that most of these people don't know any transgender people, 
and they don't care to know any transgender people. Uh, in the world of college athletics, we really are a peat and repeat. And if Jude had started competing as a freshman, I guarantee you that every single conference in the big sky would have been forced to go and find somebody that could compete against June. In other words, they would have to have find a biological male athlete. Just think about Laurel Hubbard with the weight, uh, the, the weight um, going to the Olympics for weightlifting and taking that spot away from indigenous um, women of New, New Zealand. Okay, stop. Let's unpack this. Somebody representing a values coalition. Now we know when, when Certain reactionaries use the term value. They're not valuing anybody who's not white. <laughs> and now they want to try. This guy wants to try and sound woke. <laughs> sure, Greg. <laughs> Let's hear some more of this. We need young ladies to have continued access to sports without interference from biological males. If we have biological males competing in athletics of women's sports, and those schools that have that situation begin to win, and the other districts or other systems or other campuses do not, you will see, over a course of time, coaches trying to figure out how to compete against those biological males. Now, the voice you just heard is that of Texas State Senator Charles Perry. He's a Republican from Lubbock. And he's also the author of Senate Bill 2 and Senate Bill 23. Yes, he wrote them. And yes, he believes that transgender girls are really boys. Not surprising. It's what most of them believe. It's completely unoriginal and not surprising at all. But this weird minority report type scenario... The idea that high schools across Texas are going to turn into Southern Methodist football circa 1983 and coerce some stud Eric Dickerson type in their school to become a girl. You know, this farce would be so comical if it wasn't so dangerous and harmful to transgender youth in Texas. These are the beliefs that harm trans youth. This, is, this ignorance is dangerous. <laughs> and there was a lot of it on Monday. Oh, it gets even worse. It's time to show the nation that the great state of Texas can't be bullied into complying with lies. Oh, it wouldn't be a hearing if Beth Stalzer's not there. I am a wife, mom, amateur powerlifter, and the founder of the nonpartisan grassroots coalition Save Women's Sports. You're also a professional transphobe. Females young and old across the world now face exclusion from the sports they love with the inclusion of males. And anyone who stands in their path is labeled transphobic, bigoted, racist, and faces cancel culture. And that bit of ignorance was brought to you by Save Women Sports, official transphobes of the 2021 Summer Olympics. But on the other side, you have trans youth speaking out and fighting for themselves. You have parents afraid for their children. You have allies resisting out of hope and fear 
and love. Sport saved my life, but in the end, it is so much larger than that. These past few months, I have sat through many Senate and House sessions where elected officials seek to debate whether the trans children under their jurisdiction are worthy of protection. And to be very frank, I'm tired. I'm tired of begging for my dignity before representatives who seek to ostracize me. If I misgendered my colleagues or associates in the ways that Senator Perry has by referring to someone as a transgender or referring to someone as biological male, I would have been terminated for creating a hostile work environment. In fact, anyone would. And I find it really disconcerting that why in Texas is so much less expected from our state government? You keep talking about polls. Let's poll Texans to see if they're more interested in high school girls sports or in the power grid. You've wasted this session targeting trans people instead of fixing the power grid, which is what everybody wants. Do you understand how transitioning in general works? Do you understand how sexist it is towards women to characterize them as helpless or less powerful? Can you give me an example of a trans athlete dominating in Texas? Can you give me an example of any trans athlete in Texas? Because the author of the House version of this bill, Representative Hefner, he wasn't able to. Do you know bills like this can and will kill people? People like me as a Texan, as Texan as anyone else. People like my future students? These are not matters of opinion, by the way. Times change. If you want to properly represent us, keep up. You're about to completely lose a remarkable Texan teacher. Thank you for your time. Stop wasting mine. Now, I want to end it up with this next part. The first voice you're going to hear is a man who very much is for these bills. He's for banning trans students from doing something that's totally American, representing their school in the fields of play. Now, there's a woman sitting next to him, and she is the mother of a young transgender boy. She's an affirming parent, and she's against those bills. Now, listen to what happens next. I wanted to talk about this concept that we've been hearing all day about transgendered children. I get sick to my stomach when I hear that. Any parent that condones that, that's child abuse to me. Sitting next to this man, I have to admire her composure because she was doing everything she could not to slap this guy. And quite frankly, I wouldn't blame her if she did. To be a mom and to hear someone coming at you, calling you a child abuser, I have no words for that. But here's what she had to say. I'm the mother of an eight-year-old transgender boy who loves to play basketball. Believe me, if I had known I had a transgender child, I never would have moved back to Texas five years ago. I know firsthand what, is, what it is like to be an other in Texas. I never wanted my son to experience this kind of discrimination. These sports ban bills have impacted my son emotionally and physically. When he heard about the bill this time, he asked anxiously, does this mean I can't play on my team? During the regular session, he began to have chronic stomach aches. He still insisted on coming here to the Capitol to stand up for himself. Now, if you're wondering why you're listening to this, it's, in case you don't know, this is giving you a window on what it's like to be transgender in America right now. And I want you to consider what you've just heard. 
because in a little more than a month from now, the nation's school children will be returning to classrooms, we hope. And some of those school children are going to be transgender kids. Let that sink in. Now, there was a related story just up the road in Dallas. Last weekend was CPAC 2021. And among the people who was there was a certain Caitlyn Jenner. Yes, that Caitlyn Jenner running for governor of California, Caitlyn Jenner. And she ran into a YouTuber who dubs himself the black conservative preacher. Yeah. That meeting is going to end well. Trigger warning. Expect dead naming and transphobia to follow. Hey, Bruce. Bruce. Right, here we go. Here we go. What do you Have think about the stuff that they're teaching in schools hey, regarding the LGBTQ? About Jesus Christ, Bruce. From bad to just as bad, we got a note from Kansas State Representative Stephanie Byers. Now, Representative Byers is a trans elected official in the Sunflower State and a friend of the podcast. And they're keeping their finger on the pulse on the fight over a non-discrimination ordinance in their hometown of Wichita right now. Now, they're fighting over this and they expect a decision this week. Now, there's a group of people putting a great deal of money, time, and effort in fighting change, needed change. It's a group called the Kansas Family Policy Alliance. Hmm. Family. Every time you hear an organization with family, with the word family in it, oftentimes they don't include my family because, well, I'm not straight and I have the wrong paint drop. And oh, yeah, guess who they're friends with? Yeah, that group. Focus on the family. Believe me, they're not focused on most of your families. Right now in Wichita, where they're trying to water down if not eliminate non-discrimination ordinances. Just up the road, up I-35 in Kansas City, we got a dispatch from another friend of the podcast, Justice Horn. On Tuesday, Kansas City, Missouri City Manager Brian Platt signed an administrative regulation mandating safe and equal access to restroom facilities based on gender identity. Way to go, Kansas City. And as well, they've designated over 100 city-owned single-user restrooms to all gender restrooms. These restrooms will be available across city facilities, and they'll also have access to personal hygiene products for people who depend on them. According to Horn, quote, steps like this is how we ensure that our community is safe for everyone, especially our LGBTQ plus community. All I can say is, Everything's up to date in Kansas City. Who knows how far they could go? Way to go, KCMO. Also, something cool from our friends at Lambda Legal dropped on Tuesday. It seems that they decided with all the ugly anti-trans bills and briefs and all the things they've had to deal with, especially in the last year, they have a lot of copies, and that means a lot of paper to recycle. So what they did was they shredded all those bills and they recycled them by turning them into, check this out, bubblegum cards. After all, didn't Lucy from the Peanuts say that you aren't really great till you have your picture on a bubblegum card? Well, they did bubblegum cards of trans athletes. And the first run is awesome. Fallen Fox is on the first run. I want a Fallen Fox. And I'd want a Grace McKenzie 
oh, of course I'd want a Mac Peggs. And they also, and I'd want a Patricio Manuel as well. And they call this campaign Stack the Deck Against Hate. And I want to see them stack the deck against hate some more. I want to see a second run and a third run. Imagine, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing, say, getting a Sarah Rose Huckman or an Andrea Yearwood or a Terry Miller or a Chris Mosier card or a Veronica Ivy card. I wouldn't mind seeing, you know, a Quinn card would be kind of cool. You know, making a Sarah, making a Laurel Hubbard card, that'd be on fire. Now, a Valentina Petrillo card, I'd want that in my card collection. And I'll take Lambda Legal, you know something? I'm not the greatest athlete in the world, not even close, but you know what? You should include journalists in that card. You know, I, I would lend my name and, and this nice face to the cause. Hashtag just saying. Now, turning to the sci-fi front. We haven't had a lot of sci-fi on the show the last couple weeks, but hey, but guess what's coming back? Star Trek Lower Decks set to return for Season 2 to Paramount Plus August 12th. And a trailer dropped over the weekend, chock full of Trek nerdy goodness in the span of 15 seconds. Want to see the trailer? We're going to post it at the Transporter Room Twitter and Facebook sites. And a special challenge to our readers. If you've read out sports in the last few days, there are 131 confirmed out LGBTQ athletes who will be competing in Tokyo. Now, every year since 2000, when OutSports began, we've tracked, quote, unquote, Team LGBTQ. But this year, we're going to track them again. But I think Team LGBTQ should have the a proper country nation-like name in their own anthem. So I'm going to leave it to all you readers and all you listeners. Team LGBTQ needs a name that sounds like a country. So what would the name of this fictitious country for these 131 athletes be? Because 131 athletes, that's a pretty good-sized Olympic delegation for most of the world. And oh yeah, if you're going to come up with the name of the country, you also have to come up with an anthem. And it could be anything. Now, some of my ideas were Stonewallia. Audrey Lordland, um, the Democratic People's Republic of Sylvia Marsha, or it could be Marsha Sylvia. I know that's corny. So I am counting on you, readers and listeners, to come up with something a lot better than I did. Our lines are open. We're waiting for you. And you have until the opening ceremonies. On the day of the opening ceremonies, I'm going to take some of your ideas, throw them back to our founders, Jim Bozinski, Sid Ziegler, thrown to people like Schultz and Alex and Shelby back at Outsport Central. And when we track Team LGBTQ, we're gonna we're going to have their have this official country name and perhaps an anthem. So once again, bring those ideas to the Transporter Room site or to the Outsports Twitter site. Oh, yeah, we're hearing that noise. You know what that means. We got to take a minute to give some love to the sponsors, pay a few bills. But when we come back from the mouths of the historic transgender Olympians, I'm Carly Chardonnay Webb. This is the Transporter Room. Stay with us.
Welcome back to the Transporter Room. I'm Carly Chardonnay-Webb, and today we dug in the crates to two interviews from last October. Interviews with people who are now on their way to Tokyo to make history. Our first interview was with 2020 Outsports Non-Binary Athlete of the Year Award winner, Quinn. Quinn is a midfielder for the Tacoma-based Oil Rain in the NWSL, but in Tokyo, they'll be wearing a different uniform. Team Canada Maple Leaf Red and White with a big goal in front of them, perhaps turning two straight bronze medals for Canada, hard one in London and Rio, into gold in Tokyo. A few weeks prior to this interview, Quinn boldly came out on their Instagram as transgender. They will be among three transgender athletes to make their nation's Olympic teams, along with Team USA BMX rider Chelsea Wolfe and New Zealand weightlifter Laurel Hubbard. Here, along with my former Transporter Room co-host Don Ennis, is our interview with Quinn on Coming Out and Tokyo Dreams. When you walk in the opening ceremony, most likely you'll be among the first, or perhaps the first, trans athlete to participate in, in an Olympic Games. That has never been done before. Do you think people really have an idea of the history that the, uh, the history that's going to be made? In a sense, does it boggle your mind the history that you most likely will be making come next year in Tokyo? Um, yeah, yes and no. Um, I think it is really exciting, you know, to potentially be a be a trailblazer in that sense. But at the same time, I'm <laughs> I'm pretty positive that there's been trans people at the Olympics. They just, you know, haven't been out during their time at the actual Olympics. Um, and so, you know, for me, I think that's that's just really exciting that I can be out and that, you know, even if it is a really difficult experience to be out and it obviously does come with some pushback. Um, I think it just, you know, it speaks to the places that we're moving. And I hope that, you know, there's so many trans folks that are going to follow me in those steps, you know, and that are going to be in future Olympics or hopefully more even in, in the Olympics that's coming up this summer. But is your mind beginning to beginning to kind of spool over? Okay. How am I going to deal with that, with that, time in Tokyo. CBC spotlight will be on me. CTV spotlight will be on me. So will Globals. So is the Globe and Mail and probably a lot of the world because you've taken this step now. Are you starting to think about what that crush will be like? Yeah. I mean, and I think this is just like a taste of it in some senses because I think obviously that's a huge tournament and that's, you know, it's a place for me to you know, trailblaze as a, as a trans athlete. And I'm really hoping that there'll be other trans athletes there. Cause I know that there's, there's other competitors that are, that are close to getting their, their qualifying spots. Um, but yeah, I think it's a, you know, it is a lot of pressure, I think in some senses, and I want to use my platform. That was like one of the main reasons of coming out. I mean, another reason as well is just like wanting my identity to be respected <laughs> in, <laughs> in every space. But no, I wanted to use my platform and I want to be outspoken, but I think at the same time, 
you know, I'm only one voice in that and I can only tell my story. And so I just want to, you know, push conversations in other places and to other trans advocates and other voices. And I'm hoping that, you know, with my voice, I can just start to uplift other trans voices. Even as a younger person, when did it sort of click that this isn't right, that I think there's something different about me? Yeah, I mean, I think, (laughs) I'm sure you both have had this experience, but um, I think when I look at my childhood, I have a lot of those moments and I'm like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes, indeed. Now I get it. (laughs) (laughs) You just have a laugh about it. But no, I mean, I think it took me till you know I had a language to be able to describe what I was feeling and you know I learned about trans folks um to be able to really understand and and you know put put a name on what I was feeling but I think I can look throughout my childhood and understand that 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 has been a narrative in my life since I was a young kid for sure I was always pushing back on the gender binary whether it was you know not wearing the clothes that my mom really wanted me to wear or you know just I don't know, loving to explore different like gendered toys and silly stuff like that. So, I mean, I think I didn't have a word for it till, you know, five years ago in college, but looking back on my childhood, it makes a lot of sense. And I just wish, you know, my parents as well knew more about what it meant to be trans. And so maybe they could have, you know, seen that I was struggling with those things and gotten support for me at a younger age. There's going to be at least one closeted trans person listening to this podcast they're probably into sports and they want guidance they want to know how they can navigate this world that we you carly and i live in where we're out and proud what advice do you have for that closeted trans person whether they be genderqueer or identifying on the binary what would you tell them yeah I would just say, and I don't want to sugarcoat it because, you know, we know what society we live in, but I think I would just say that it does get easier. You learn how to navigate and you build like this beautiful shell for dealing with situations that you face. And so I think in that sense, you know, it does get easier. I know when I came out as a trans person and started, you know, presenting the way I wanted to in society in terms of just my physical appearance, there was, it was so jarring to me, you know. And I know that was really overwhelming, Um, but I think it does get easier over time. And I guess as well, just having hope that there are people, you know, there's people like us that are trying to pave the way for more inclusiveness in sports and beyond sports as well. You're dealing with the sphere, especially in sport, that is often reluctant to change. What are things that coaches need to know? What are some some of the base things administrators need to know? And sure enough, what are some things that sports media need to know? <laughs> Learning a little bit, like putting yourself out there to learn a little bit um, about trans folks and about the language you should be using. It's so easy to change our language. And I know people have such a reluctance over that. And <laughs> they like to argue that it's hard. But the reality is it's really not that difficult. And so I said, you know, one thing in my thing, in my post was just like, practice they them pronouns you know if you have an athlete who uses they them pronouns go in the mirror and practice or go and take your other cis friends and just practice using that pronoun because you know i think a lot of people will be surprised with how easy that is um 
yeah, so I think language is such a huge part in the, that inclusivity bit. And then, you know, to the media, and we've just talked about this, it's, it's not using dead names and it's writing a narrative about a person, you know, not fixating on this transitional piece, this before and after piece, but really just focusing on the trans person as a person and what they're doing in their life other than just their transness. I'd ask you one last question. Quinn, where do you see yourself in five years? When you turn 30, what are you going to be doing? Um, <laughs> I think I went into professional sports saying, you know, at the age of 28, I'm definitively retiring for sure. I wanted a career beyond sports. Um, but, you know, I do really love this lifestyle. So I, I don't know where I see myself maybe in terms of continuing to play sports. And I think, you know, the more outspoken I am and, you know, the more I learn about, you know, social justice and advocacy, the more that's, a, that's a road I want to explore growing up. I, I love biology and, you know, I still kind of have the aspirations of being a veterinarian, but I think this is a part of my life that I want to continue to advocate for folks. And so, you know, maybe beyond sports, it's, it's that in some capacity. Well, as a certified old lady, I am here to tell you that you don't have to worry about changing careers or changing directions at 30, 40, 50. <laughs> I've reinvented myself a couple of times. Carly has too. And all I want to say is good luck to you. I think that you are on a great adventure and it's just beginning. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for joining us. And I look forward to, I look forward to seeing you. In the W in the NWSL in the seasons ahead, and of course next year. And I know that there's a certain team from south of that border that Team Canada's gunning for. And I'm looking <laughs> forward to the next installment of USA Canada on the pitch. Now they won't have too long to wait for competition. Quinn and their mates at Team Canada open play on July 21st. That's two days before the opening ceremonies. And they're in a difficult group, and they have a difficult opening game. They take on the host nation, Japan, in the opener. Now, Team USA has a lot of representation among Team LGBTQ. Of 131 out LGBTQ athletes, 33 of them are Americans. That's a little bit more than 25% of the total number. But for the first time ever, one of those who represents Team USA will also represent the T in LGBTQ. BMX freestyle ace Chelsea Wolf from the state of Florida put together enough of a resume to earn a spot as an alternate for USA Cycling in their event. Should something happen to world champion Hannah Roberts or Paris Benegas, by the way, both of them also out and proud and in the games to where neither could compete prior to the start of competition, Wolf would be brought in to ride hard. But no matter what, for Chelsea Wolf, who has rode hard in the pursuit of this dream, she's already riding into history. The history she saw coming when I got to sit down with her last October. Those of you who just entered the room, we have Olympic hopeful Chelsea Wolf, BMX freestyler, here in with us. And for those who may not know know a lot of the story, you began you began in six years old as just as just a kid with a BMX bike and a dream, and you went out and raced. But then 
and you got to your 15th birthday, you decided to, where, why, why did you decide to switch gears from BMX racing to doing the cool tricks? So it was kind of, there was a number of years of overlap and I actually just got back into the race side of things just to play around at practice. Um, and that's been a ton of fun, but basically like, you know, I raced for, gosh, let's see about how many years did I race for? I raced from when I was six until I was like 21, I think. Uh, it's like what, 16 years? That was like 15, 16 years of just of a lot of racing. When you had been doing something for that long, you became nationally ranked, but what made you decide that, you know, especially, I know reading your story a lot of the uh, the olympics was a was definitely was somewhat of a catalyst for it because freestyle just got just got put in, you know just got inserted into the olympic program but for you just from the creative just i i enjoy being on a bike standpoint what made you make the switch so like that was kind of what it was is after like the 16 years of doing the same thing over and over again you know, like I was working as hard as I could and I was going just about as fast as I felt like I was ever going to go. It was the same thing over and over, similar tracks, similar jumps, just see how fast I can pedal. And that was essentially the extent, like the extent of progression. Whereas with freestyle, there's constantly new things to learn, new tricks to try, new riding styles to try to adapt to. Um, so it's just never ending progression and growth and learning and it just keeps it exciting and fresh constantly. So like now that I'm, you know, feeling pretty good with just the freestyle side of things, and I had some time this year with not traveling so much, I actually got back into racing just as a little bit of cross training and just fun, you know, rip around and go fast. It's humans like to move around and get speed and jump stuff. So it's been a good balance for me to just keep riding fun again. Yeah. I need to know before we get into the next thing about if, if as, as when you kind of dabbled back into race, did either of these two thoughts, even both of them, come into your head? One, I missed this, and two, I'm too dang old for this. I um, so I definitely like you know I'm probably as fast as I've ever been because you know like I'm, I'm training harder now than I ever could when I was racing as an amateur because like this is my full-time job now I spend my time like doing press stuff and training so as far as like strength and speed and skills go I'm probably faster than I used to be but the tracks have changed so much since the last time I raced that like the, the jumps are like longer and lower now, whereas they used to be shorter and steeper. And I know I went out to the track and I was coming up short on all the jumps. I'm like, did the tracks get bigger or did I get slower? And it's just the tracks did get bigger and I hadn't ridden in so long and I had to like readjust to it. Um, but yeah, honestly, I feel probably like just as fast as I ever was growing up, if not faster. So, Have, What's it like for you when say fans who are trans come up to you and say a competition? Or just send you that email saying, sis, we got you, we love you, we're, we have your back. Honestly, that's one of the best feelings because, like I said, I, a huge part of doing what I do and pushing so hard is because I didn't have the role model that I'm currently being to look up to when I was younger. And getting to be that person for others, it kind of retroactively 
you know, heals me with shadow work to be like, I can go back in my memories and be like, look, you're stressing over not having a role model. You do now. It's going to be you someday. And like when I get those messages from people telling me that that's exactly what I'm doing, that like seeing me competing and like riding BMX while also being trans made them feel comfortable with who they are. I'm like, dang. So like this is being the person I needed to see when I I was younger. This is it right here. So I love getting that kind of support. It's it really makes the hard days worth it because you know, obviously every athlete is doing it for the good days when you have a victory or you place well or you accomplish something great, but the hard days like what pushes you, what drives you and like that's really what lifts me up and keeps me pushing on the days where it's hard to keep going. <sighs> I can tell you, I'm one of those people that was, I'm one of those people that look at you, that look at you and say, all right, go get them, Chelsea. Go get them. Now, one thing is, right now, right now, you're sitting in the auction seat for Tokyo. I'm wondering, if, if not Tokyo, will we see you say Paris 24 or even LA 28? Yeah, I'm definitely like, you know, I'm 27, so I'm not like, young in terms of BMX freestyle. It's a very, you know, kind of youth oriented sport, but I'm also not old. <laughs> so I think I have at least one more Olympic cycle in me and hopefully two more. Um, I would like to, you know, make another shot at this regardless of how this first one goes. It's been an amazing learning opportunity. And just like thinking about how much I've grown from when I first started working for this in 2016 until now, it's mind blowing. Um, so yeah, like thinking of working more towards 2024 and even 2028, I'm just like, I don't even know who I'm going to be by that point because I'll still just keep growing at such an exponential rate because I'm working so hard to accomplish this dream. So yeah, it's definitely in the cards that I'm going to keep pushing for it no matter what happens with 2020. Now, when the writing stops, where do you see yourself? Let's say go to the Olympics in 24, maybe in 28, and then you say, you know what, this is, this is a young person's game. It's time for me to move to the next thing. For you, what do you think that next thing is? So I don't think there's ever going to be a point that I stop riding BMX entirely, or at the very least bikes, you know, like road bikes and mountain bikes. They're a little bit like more low impact than BMX freestyle is, or even BMX racing is a little bit more low impact than BMX freestyle is. So if I ever get to a point where just physically I'm not capable of riding at all anymore, then I can still, you know, dial it back and just go back to only racing or get into mountain biking or even just do road biking only. I mean, you can do that like well up into your old age years. So I don't think there's ever going to be a point where I'm like, in my life that's post riding. This is something that I plan to be a lifelong thing. And even with BMX freestyle, you know, there's probably going to be a point at some point in my life where I can't ride at the level that I do now. And I can't keep progressing and learning new things, but that doesn't mean I can't dial it back and still enjoy just what I can do in that moment. It doesn't matter if I can't do what I did, you know, 10 years ago, if I'm still enjoying the movements and the adrenaline of it now. Thanks to both Chelsea Wolf and Quinn for giving us the time last October. Best wishes to you both. 
to have a successful games in Tokyo. And I want to thank all of you for giving the transporter room your time this week with the Olympics just days away. Over the next few weeks, we will have a great deal of Olympic and Paralympic coverage. So click on Outsports for a rainbow's eye view of what could be the most rainbow Olympics and Paralympics ever. I'm Carly Chardonnay Webb. Live long and prosper. Steady as she goes. We'll see you next week.